Before we get started, I have a question for you. Do you like podcasts? Of course you do. Otherwise, this would be a wasted exercise. Well, why aren't you doing one yourself? It's not that hard. You can promote a cause, promote your business, or just let those nonsensical rantings between you and your friends flow out. We make the process very easy at Eau Claire Hometown Media, and it only costs a couple hundred dollars. That's right, a fraction of the price to advertise on radio or TV, and you control 100% of the message. Just reach out to us here at Eau Claire Hometown Media for a no-obligation meeting. We'll tell you everything you need to know about getting your own podcast off the ground, and we will help you promote it as well. And welcome into another installment of Through the Doggy Door, presented by our friends at Embark in Eau Claire and one of the premier uh, doggy daycare centers, training and grooming centers throughout the entire Chippewa Valley. This is the podcast that talks dogs. If you've got dogs, you've had a dog, you want a dog, this is the podcast uh, for you as we talk to Heather from Embark and she's always full of a lot of doggy love and doggy tips for all of us. Heather, how's it going? It's good. Gosh, um, you know, heading into Thanksgiving, it looks a little bit different than it has in years past. So, <laughs> so this podcast will be perfect because it'll, you know, people aren't necessarily gathering. They'll need some things to do. So, I mean, how perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, you've got a great topic for today. and We're going to touch on that mm. here in just a moment. And we'll probably touch on this a couple times in the next few recordings. But we've got uh, the holiday season is definitely upon us as people listen to this podcast. What are some uh, what are some key things people should keep in mind with their with their dogs? Namely, uh, I would assume uh, be careful of the treats and the leftovers. Yeah, we'll all give our dog a little bit, but you got to be mindful of that. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so many different foods and often the humans are distracted, which means the dogs are sometimes more cued into the food that's on the table. Um, a lot of emergency visits for GI upset, I think in the last, in the next month. So just being cautious of that. And we always say kind of keeping their normal exercise in it, routines and place is important because, you know, their world is a little bit different with the holidays and travel um, and then giving them things to do, just kind of keeping things as normal as you can, keeping their exercise routines in place, giving them some kind of brain games to do. And then, yes, keeping them away from things that could be detrimental to their guts, like turkey bones and rich desserts and um, baking, baking go baked goods are always not, not, don't always sit well with our dogs. And they, they may want, they may want it. But you've got to be the uh, the proper caregiver. It's no Absolutely. different than having a no different than having a kid. People yes. tend to forget that. you got to <laughs> keep. There's a lot of similarities. We talked yes. about that in a previous episode yes. with uh, potty training. Yes. Oh my gosh, learning so, is learning. I mean. <laughs> so uh, today's topic uh, that I know you wanted to touch on is uh, is come here. Everybody's yes. got their own version of it. If they've ever had a again kids, and of course pets, uh, their version of getting their attention. Uh, this is something you want to touch on here. Have at it, Heather. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It's probably one of the 
biggest pieces that we hear from people. Um, my dog doesn't come when called. We take a lot of phone calls that, you know, people will say, my dog doesn't come when called or my, you know, he knows this, but he doesn't, or she knows this and she doesn't. Um, it's a, it's a skill that takes a long time to teach. So I thought today we would kind of dive into, we're not going to do a how to necessarily, cause it's, you know, it's more than we can probably cover in one short podcast, but some things to start to set the foundation for come one called. Um, there's so much that we don't do with our dogs and there's so much, I think there's so much teaching that we don't do, but there's so many expectations that we have without teaching them. So kind of starting from square one on how to mold a good come when called um, with our dogs or puppies, you know, it doesn't matter. The information that I'll go into today is applicable to a new puppy um, or an adult. You know, the difference would be that an adult maybe has a different history <laughs> than your eight week old puppy for come when called. So, but the games that we do and some of the foundations that we set are equal between the two of them. So I think that's what we'll, we'll chat about today, Scott. All right. So as we, we, we look ahead uh, to, to what this is, and I think what goes through a lot of people's minds, and you touched on it there a second ago, is that they, they wonder, how, how do I get the, the dog to come over here? I, I, I want to get them to go outside. I, I want to get them even something a little bit more innocent. I want to get them to come over here while I'm sitting on the, the sofa, or I need them to come uh, over here. What are some of those things people should keep in mind? Not necessarily the how-to, but things they should keep in mind. Yeah, so let's kind of start from the beginning. So, mm -hmm. you know, let's start, and, and again, this is applicable to a puppy or an adult dog. So one of the things that we talk about a lot in puppy class, and I know we've kind of focused in on puppies the last two episodes, but the, the, the things that you're going to do with your puppy are going to be similar to what you would do with an adult dog. So one of the things that we know about puppies is that puppies before they're six months of age, they have something called owner gravity. And what owner gravity is, is your puppies are born with this beautiful, lovely, inherent little kind of built in mechanism to check in with you. And so, and a lot of you that have had puppies in the past or currently have a puppy, there's a lot of puppies in the Chippewa Valley right now. <laughs> we have seen a lot of them in class. Um, one of the beautiful things about a puppy is you will take them outside. You have this, you know, eight, nine week old puppy. You take them outside and they kind of just follow you around. They follow you around like a little, like baby duckling. And they kind of follow you and they follow you and they follow you. And this is a natural, normal behavior for a baby dog. So it's kind of a built-in safety mechanism, I guess you would say, where they follow an adult or, or someone that is safer and bigger to keep their, themselves safe. And so the beauty of that is that we can capture this behavior that puppies do right from the get-go. And we can start to create this little, what we call a, a owner gravity, um, this little voluntary check-in that they do naturally. And when we talk about this, it's kind of a, a, I won't say lazy dog trainer way to do it, but kind of, it kind of takes the work away from us because we're not actually doing anything. We're just re reinforcing an inherent behavior that our puppy does. And so, and again, this, this behavior is natural in a puppy, not so natural with an adult dog. <laughs> so let's focus on the puppies first. So when you go outside with your puppy, um, 
it's if you take a handful of their kibble with you and you just go out in your yard. So if you have a safe place that they can be in a fence or if you if you don't have a safe fenced in space, perhaps they'd be dragging a long line. So a 20 to 30 foot long line. And what you're going to notice is your puppy orients back to you. So they keep kind of coming and kind of orienting back to your space and they kind of do a little check in. So you know, they'll go smell a tree and then they'll kind of naturally orient back to you. When they do that, if we can reinforce that little behavior of that little check-in, this creates the most glorious behavior when they become a teenager and adult where they're, they're more inclined to be attentive to you. <laughs> and why is come one called so difficult? Because the moment you go outside, there are competing motivators everywhere. Squirrels, kids on bike, rabbit poop, <laughs> um, cats in the neighborhood, cars, uh, the neighbor dog, the neighbor cat. I mean, all of those things tend to get your dog's attention. And so as a puppy, if we can kind of maintain this little behavior of owner gravity where your puppy checks in with you, that just sets the stage for a fabulous come one called when they get older. So with a puppy, you would take them out and when they orient back to you, you're just going to reinforce them. So you might drop a piece of kibble on the ground by your feet. Um, you might just reward it to their mouth and then walk away. But the, the important piece of this little capturing, this little behavior that they do, is not you're not cueing it. So I have not asked my puppy to come to me. I have not said anything to encourage them. They're doing it on their own accord. And so by, capture, by us capturing it, it just becomes this behavior in their repertoire that they start to do more and more often. And as we know, in any learner, reinforcement builds behavior. So with our puppies, if we can start that as a puppy and just pay them, and when I say pay, I mean just reinforce with some tangible food, usually works well. Um, re reinforce that little behavior. So we can do that with puppies. And I usually recommend that we do this well into the teenage months. So, you know, puppies are puppies are puppies until they're about six months of age, and then they become wild teenagers. <laughs> and so if we can solidify this behavior as a puppy and then continue it as a teenager until they kind of mentally and physically mature, which you know, usually around two, sometimes three, <laughs> um, we have this fabulous little behavior of the check-in. Now, adult dogs are a little bit different. So let's say, Scott, you adopted a, you know, a three-year-old Labrador mix from the shelter or something. Um, they don't have this foundation of this little check-in, nor do they have it with you because that dog might be very new to you. And so again, I think with an older dog, this is such an important little piece that we just start to reinforce something that they knew naturally. So you might go outside with that dog, your newly adopted three-year-old dog or whatever it might be, um, holding the end of a long line, even their leash. And the minute they orient back to you, reinforcing that heavily. Now, with an older dog, we might need a higher value reinforcer. We kind of talked about that in our last podcast about potty training about you know the value of different reinforcers so with your adult dog simply just going outside and waiting for that little check-in so waiting for them to kind of orient back to you without cueing it so without going <clears throat> dog here <laughs> and making any kind of noise just waiting for them to check in so in class we talk a lot about this owner gravity and just how important it is and you know the 
thing that is incredibly frustrating to me as a professional dog trainer is that our puppies naturally do this fabulous little check-in when they're puppies, but we often don't catch it. And so what happens is you have this puppy that you have had for, you know, six months perhaps. And at six months of old, we know that puppies become teenagers and they have strong opinions and they, they, if we don't, we haven't captured this behavior then they start to go after those competing motivators. So then they see the squirrel across the street or the kid on a bike or um, rabbit poop or whatever it might be. And now we're yelling at them. Now we're like, I said, come here, dog, blah, blah, blah. Where that puppy for four months checked in with us, but we didn't acknowledge it. And so at that point, you know, our puppy, and this is anthropomorphizing, a puppy, but your puppy's like, well, never mind then, because I checked in with you for two months and you didn't pay attention. So why should that behavior isn't worth it to me? So, and then we get mad and that's when people start to use aversives. You know, they, they will go to the shock collar. They will go to, you know, some kind of physical, you know, punisher of some sort. And it's silly because they did the right behavior for the first four months you had them. And so it's not their fault. It's your fault. <laughs> that you didn't acknowledge that they did this fabulous little behavior. So it's such an easy, like I said, kind of a lazy way to dog train. I mean, you're just capturing something that's there, um, which, you know, is fabulous. We don't really have to work for it. <laughs> so that I think is such an important piece that often is missing in Come One Called. Um, and again, if you set that foundation, it just, it's such a powerful little tool to start to build on when we start to teach come when called. Well, as we, uh, you, you touched on it a little bit there uh, with some of the, the, the common mistakes and, and taking advantage of this owner uh, gravity. What, what are some yeah. other, uh, a lot of what we're doing is maybe validating but also breaking down some of the, mm -hmm. the common health things a lot of people learn how to take care of their dog from a previous generation mm -hmm. if you will and things that seemed like they were working and maybe they did but there's a better way and then there's things yeah. that seemed like they were working but they actually weren't working we've <laughs> all been we've all been through that mm -hmm. so you know what are some of the again those those misconceptions, those mistakes that people may not even know it's, it's not wrong. And I think part of it is, sure. as, as you mentioned there, it's not always a, a verbal command is one of mm -hmm. them. <laughs> well, so I think, you know, and this is a oh gosh, this is that old school belief that, you know, you have to be the leader and the alpha and all of that silliness that we don't, I mean, those of it, us that follow the literature and behavior and learning know that, that these things have you know, past that we have better ways to do things. And so, so if you look at behavior and this is why, you know, falling into that dominance hierarchy is so dangerous because we know that behavior happens for a reason. And so if your learner isn't consistently doing a behavior, it's not because of anything other than that behavior isn't, isn't giving them the desired outcome that they're looking for. And so building any skill in a dog just means that we, they do the behavior, we create the desirable outcome for them, and then they just do it more often and more often and more often. And so our goal with Come One Called is to start this little owner gravity. And then once we kind of have that, and even if we don't have it yet, we're in the midst of teaching it, there's so many other things to teach them. And what the biggest, biggest goal in Come One Called is, is making coming when called so super awesome. Because gosh, Scott, if you think about it, when you call your dog 
and you need them to come to you, um, you know, you are usually calling them away from something that is of value perhaps to them that they may have gotten the desired outcome in the past. So they got to chase the squirrel. They got to chase the kid on a bike. They got to go eat rabbit poop. I mean, all of those fabulous things that our dogs love. <laughs> so we're, if your dog has a history of chasing wildlife, chasing kids on bikes, um, you know, chasing the neighbor's cat, whatever their motivator for doing that behavior is, we have to kind of unravel that. And we have to make coming when called like the most super awesome thing ever. And you know, the beauty of that is you're teaching, you're truly teaching a skill. And when you have the dog who understands a skill, you don't need any collar. You don't need any leash. You have a relationship that you've built that you're reliant upon. And I think that's often where dog training falters, I think, in some aspects that we forget that this isn't skill work. I mean, it is, you know, to some extent, but this is a relationship that you can have your dog off leash anywhere and you know, they're going to come back to you. Um, I mean, granted, there are times where, you know, they're presented with something that we haven't trained through. Um, but man, when you have a dog with a good recall, it just opens up their whole world. I mean, they get to do so much fun stuff. Um, and they come to you because they think it's awesome. <laughs> and so the beauty of teaching come when called in this way is what we call discretionary effort. Like they come to you because they know a party's going to ensue. Um, they're not coming to you because of the fear of a punisher. Um, they're coming to you because they think it's going to be super awesome. Um, and let me tell you, having had, I spend a lot of time in the woods. <laughs> um, and I remember one of my dogs got confronted by a mother bear. Um, it was in the, it was in June in Northern Wisconsin, um, a mother bear with three cubs behind her. And let me tell you, when I said summit come and he turned on his heels and came flying back to me, like nothing was happening. Every single recall exercise I have ever done in my life <laughs> paid off in that moment. <laughs> um, and so, and again, no collar, no leash. I mean, of course he probably had a collar on, but, um, just a regular buckle collar. So I think we, we think, you know, our dog is being dominant or something ridiculous or silly, but it's simply just a behavior. It's a skill. Um, and come on called, I'll often liken it to driving. So, you know, gosh, Scott, I bet the first time you learned to drive a stick, it was not in Minneapolis downtown traffic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was probably, I know for myself, <laughs> um, my dear friend, Lauren taught me how to drive a stick in rural Tilden at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> You know, and so when we start teaching any skill, we start in a very low distracting environment and we slowly build to higher distracting environments. And I think that's a mistake that people make with come when called too, is that they will, their dog will come when called, maybe, you know, in their backyard on a long line. And then they take them to the dog park, you know, a 10 acre dog park and ask the dog to come when called, or perhaps, you know, your lake home or cottage or whatever it might be. Um, and expect that same behavior when you haven't learned to drive in Minneapolis traffic yet. <laughs> and so it's a slow um, kind of uh, building of, upon each foundation to teach this skill and slowly looking at higher levels of distraction. And we get, we're so quick to get angry, um, which is really disappointing, but like fascinating to me equally because we haven't again, we have an expectation that they should come in this environment, but we've never practiced it. <laughs> um, and again, if you think about driving, like we practiced 
you know, maneuvering in and out of traffic in a smaller city before we threw ourselves into, you know, rush hour in the Twin Cities at 5.30 on a Friday night. So I think there's so much learning that has to occur. And that little, that little owner gravity is just so crucial to a big piece of this. And anyone can do it. My gosh, your five-year-old child can go out in the yard and work on owner gravity. You know, it doesn't take, you know, the mechanics aren't super you know, confusing. You just have to deliver food at your feet with no verbal cue and then just kind of walk away and try it again. Um, so that's the big piece of it. And I think, you know, the, the other piece that I wanted to hit on today is, is the way that we use our dog's name. You know, we, we use it for everything, which is okay. You know, we use it for like, for example, Tassel, who's laying at my feet right now, you know, Tassel, come and snuggle, Tassel, you know, come and get your food, tossle this, tossle this, tossle that. But then at four o'clock in the morning, when we need them to come back in the house, we have urgency to it. <laughs> and so we have to be cautious as well in the context in which we're using them. Have we created their name to be a skill? Because their name, you know, we, we teach something called the name game. It's the foundation work for Come When Called. And we teach their name as a skill. So, hey, when I say your name, the expectation, the criteria I'm looking for is for you to disengage with whatever you were looking at, turn all the way around and come back to me. So even just that skill, if you think about it, we're asking for a little verbal cue of their name. We're asking for muscle memory. Hey, do kind of a swimmer's turn off that distraction and come back to me. Um, and then we slowly build that into harder and harder environments. So, and I think, you know, we, we say our dogs names all day to do stuff and, and it's different, right? The context is so important. I mean, if I'm snuggling on the couch with Ridge and I say, oh, Ridge, you're such a good boy. Like that's different than if he is, you know, headed to eat a pile of deer poop in the woods. And I call him, <laughs> I mean, the context is so important <laughs> in training. Um, but I think we, we, sometimes we, we take their name for everything. We use it for heal. We use it for come and call. We use it, you know, gosh, in so many ways, but then when we need it and we're angry and we have to leave for work that moment, then we start yelling. And, and again, we're, we have an expectation without maybe thoroughly having taught that skill. So um, that's kind of another piece that we, we talk a lot about that in classes, in puppy class in real life Rover in come one called, we have a class that is just come one called um, and we talk quite a bit about these things in that class. So I think those are the big kind of high points when you look at, at myths of come one called. Um, yeah, and it's just a skill, you know, like anything else. If you think about driving, my gosh, it took us probably a couple years to get really good <laughs> at driving in downtown Minneapolis traffic with a lot of distractions. <laughs> We got a couple minutes left, uh, Heather. Uh, I always kind of bring it back to, to this because, mm -hmm. again, it's one of those things that people uh, assume. But what kind of, if any, differences are there with breeds? Because uh, like, if people are, are yeah. frustrated, they usually will say, well, it's because <laughs> I've got X, Y, Z. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Scott. I hear that so often. You know, it's often like the sight hounds for sure. Um, you know, huskies, hounds. And so you know, the beauty of breed differences is that we love them because of their breed differences. You know, I love retrievers. They carry stuff in their mouth all the time. And I find that that is 
a enduring quality of them. Some people might find that annoying. <laughs> um, so, so we have to think about what motivates that breed. And you know, it's, it's hard when you get like a hound because they've been bred to use their nose for a thousand years. So we're not going to unravel that, but we have to find ways to reinforce them that matches what is desirable to them. So we can actually use smell as their reward. Um, and so it's, and it all boils down to motivation. So I think being a really good observer, which any good teacher is a good observer of saying, okay, what is motivating to this learner and finding what really motivates them. And even within a breed, I mean, gosh, you'll find that, you know, some of them really like tug as a reinforcement. Some of them could care less, but they like smoke cheese. And so, so I think sampling a bunch of reinforcers and finding what they will work for. And then that becomes kind of what you're going to use. I mean, cause we all do behaviors because they have the desired outcome. Like that's why there is behavior in the world <laughs> essentially. So finding the right motivator is going to be really important. And, and each breed is going to be not even each breed, just individually, each dog is going to be very different in terms of what motivates them. And, you know, people will say, well, my dog's not food motivated. Well, they have, they eat or they would die. So we just have to find the right thing, perhaps delivered in the right way um, that will motivate them. And I think that's just a matter of being a good teacher um, is finding something that motivates them. Well, Heather, thank you very much. Another outstanding edition of Through the Doggy Door presented by M. Bark. And yeah, here we are. It's the, it's the holiday season. It's the winter time. Yeah. Everybody's looking to find ways to stay warm. A great way to stay warm always is to is to cuddle with your dog, right? Yes. Oh, I'm a fan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this week's edition awesome. of Through the Doggy Door. Don't forget to check out all the other great uh, episodes we've got as well. And there's more still to come. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>